This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 418 for Wednesday, October 13th, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Lou Page is back, busy zombie lord on all the social media that matters, and of course, co-host of Zombies Ate My Podcast. Hello, sir. Howdy. So I've got a question for you right off the bat. Sure. Book of Travels, chapter zero is on Steam. It's on 10% off, so it's not a big sale because they're at early access is the 11th, I think, of October. So they just kind of are launching their first endeavor for this game. Uh, Published and developed by Might and Delight uh, out of Stockholm, Sweden. I went to their website and I did not recognize any of their other titles, but they all look like fancy, um, artsy animation short films from like a, a festival like they've kind of got that indie painterly yeah. vibe to them uh, but the reason why i found this is uh i think it was an instagram ad but it was basically like it was billed as a tiny morpg so a tiny multiplayer online role-playing game i said like, what is a tiny multiplayer <laughs> i thought it was a phone game at first like no no, it's on steam okay so what's that the was deal? that was my thought too when that when you sent this to me and i was like is this a phone game that they're putting on steam what's yeah. going on here so it focuses heavily on the backgrounds and the environments and stuff like that the player character is quite small on screen and very stylized if you're familiar at all with the flat geometric kind of look of indie games in the last five years this is very much on that wavelength yes it is uh, i've seen i i'm from i i i think i own a couple of games of theirs through bundles that i've bought but i've never actually played anything and they all kind of have a very similar art style and color palette to this yeah uh this does look different in that when you look at the screenshots there's a lot of variety so it looks like as you travel through this you know uh t-m-o-r-p-g which i still find is very funny um it, you you feel like it, or it looks like you hit a lot of different zones like a lot of different areas and cultures and color palettes and stuff so artistically it, it looks interesting and they're doing something a little bit different with the layering i find that sometimes these games are uh flat and this looks like it actually has some depth whether it's a camera moving yes. through multi-plane uh it's an old old trick actually from the 1930s that disney developed for uh snow white where uh, they used um, multi-planes in the celluloid to have different objects move at different speeds according to the camera or in relationship to the camera. So it gave the illusion of depth. Like as you pass through uh, foliage, those leaves are going to go by the camera faster than the tree that's in the midground and the bushes that are in the background. Anyway, a really, really cool uh, looking game. And the description on Steam is ready your pack, grab your walking stick and step into a world of mystery and legend. Craft a unique character and immerse yourself in the enchanted lands of Braided Shore. Set your own goals and adventure alone or together with travelers you meet on the road 
in this serene TMORPG. And here's the word that tips me off that has like a big red warning flag above it. And that's serene. Uh, I, I have a issue with some of the games um, that kind of are marketed in this way in that they look cool. The idea of a relaxing video game is appealing, but ultimately when I sit down to play them, I'm bored. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I need stuff jumping out at me. I don't need to run around shooting things all the time. As much fun as it is to pick up pieces of the road and throw it at robots as the Hulk in Avengers. I don't need that all the time. Uh, no. I find Forza Horizon 4 a pretty relaxing game. It's still exciting and fun though, right? Like it's still yeah. chill, but it, there's enough happening. And I'm wondering if some of it has to do with the speed at which the game is played. Uh, but with this book of travels, the other thing that's kind of got me uh, pausing is when watching some of the videos and the trailers, your character walks really slowly and very smoothly. It doesn't feel... It's probably going to be the thing that happens the whole game. Yeah. Like, I, I don't need everything to be slow. I'm okay with uh, an MMO. Like, I mean, I played Warcraft or World of Warcraft for years, but you run through those levels and it still takes a long time. But at least when you're moving, your character has this sense of urgency, like you're out to save the town from some big bad guy. So you've got to run with your sword and your shield to do it. Um, there is no mention of any combat and I didn't see any. Um, I... I don't think there has to be combat in every game, but there just feels like, I don't know. They're just, it just, it on one level, it feels homogenized, like a lot of indie stuff right now. But at the, on the other level, it, it does have a lot of unique looking environments and they, it given the, the art that I've seen and the, their website, uh, which we'll have in the show notes has um, some concept art and stuff on it. Um, it's beautiful. Like it, it, you, you don't get something like this without a tremendous amount of effort and thought behind it. So I'm not, I'm not belittling that at all. I just don't know if I wanted to test out uh, a tiny MMO, um, or sorry, it's not an MMO or a TMO, I guess. Um, that's this flat. My thing is, is I have a hard time with anything that's in early access. Yeah. Um, early in the early days of early access, I bought a bunch of games because they were potential. And I was like, cool, in a year or two, maybe I'll get a full game, but I'll enjoy this like weird kind of thing. And some games like Darkest Dun Dungeon became awesome and became better over time. And then some other games never left early access and still aren't finished to this day. Uh, there's a game called Project Zomboid that I backed in the early days of it for like 15 bucks. And now I think it's still like 20 or 30 bucks. It's still in early access. And uh, that game has been around as long as I've been doing my podcast. And we're going on almost 10 years. So, you know, it, 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 early, anything that says early access, I've been burned enough times that I just go, ah, I'll wait. I'll usually wait for it to be a real project. Unless I know something up in the background. Um, like um, recently, the most recent early access game that I backed was um, the board game I've discussed on here before, 
Gloomhaven. They have a digital version that's out now. Um, and it's been in early access, but the team behind it also has made other games, so it's not like it's their first endeavor into video games. And they gave a a uh, like a roadmap of here's where we want to be next year, here's where we're going to be the year after that, and then we're going to be in a full release by this date. And with COVID, they've missed a couple of those release windows, but they've always updated the roadmap and been like, yeah, we're six months behind. Here's where we're going to be. And, you know, I, I backed it in the early days for like 15 bucks, and it's now going to be a full $40 game, and it's coming out of early access like next week. I've had really good luck with Satisfactory. Uh, I know it's yeah. not your type of game, but their early access version of the game, while it does have its bugs, um, they tend to iterate and, and squash certain yep. bugs or make certain changes as things go forward. Uh, I'm struggling to find the the author of it, but there's a, a love letter to Satisfactory on YouTube that was shared on my Discord uh, earlier this week. And basically it's someone saying like, Satisfactory is is game design genius. You know, and they, they're kind of going into it uh, and, and explaining while on the surface, it just looks like another factory game. There's just a lot more to it right now. And we're coming up to up, update five. I'm trying to remember when I started playing update uh, satisfactory and what update it was on. I want to say that I jumped on board around update two because that's more than likely when things like YouTube videos or Twitch coverage probably had an uptick because there was new updates. So people were back that people that play it and then put it down were then back in it. Right. And yeah. so I don't remember how long it's been, but I do remember updates three and four and they were like a year apart. So I've been playing the game probably for the better part of two years. Yeah. And yes, I've put it down at times, but that's usually when there's other things that take an uptick of my time, like Minecraft or something like that. And while Minecraft yeah. is not in early access, it is a game that is update, updated roughly every six months to a year um, yeah. for that one-time fee. You know, like I, I bought Java Minecraft. I think it was around $30 Canadian. Uh, Satisfactory was also around $30. I, I think it retails for $35 Canadian, but I probably got it on Steam sale or... or no, I own, yep. it on, I own it on Epic Games, so I, I got it there. But anyway... Uh, all that said, um, they're pretty, there's something that's reassuring about the Tuesday development stream from Satisfactory, the Friday update videos, when you are coming up to an update, the Friday update videos don't happen every week, but they happen as they have something to say in the eight weeks or so leading up to an update release, they will start to release. Here's the things that are coming. And they still leave some things to a surprise when they do like a release, a release video. Um, right. so you do feel that even though you've paid a little bit of money to be early access and play a game that is being worked on and is expected to be a little bit buggy and a little bit chuggy sometimes, um, you don't feel like it's just going to be an early access and at a stalemate forever. Like it does feel like it's moving forward. Right. Like I said, some, and some early access games, you, the, the devs just abandon them halfway through development and they take the money and run or they run out of effort or they've lose interest it just it happens you know but like i said i usually i have to know somebody or know something behind the scenes before i back something usually now on kicks on uh not just on not just on early access but kickstarter too i uh i've been burned on there too <laughs> i've often waited for things like a dlc pack just to be like, yeah. okay, so they're still, you know, they're still producing new content for the game. Uh, yeah. They're obviously are, you know, looking ahead. 
that's why I got Oxygen Not Included back when I did is because it had had like a new DLC pack. Um, right. I download, I purchased, I mean, it wasn't very expensive, but I, I bought Stardew Valley at a time when it was like the 1.0 or I can't remember what yep. release had come out, but I bought it around that time because I thought, okay, it's got a, um, a level of finish where someone is at least happy with it, you know? Yep. That that dev too. He he's he's a he was a one man show. That was one guy that made that game. Yeah. Uh, till it got to one point two or something like that, and now he has a team of ten, and they've been continuing to add more content to Stardew Valley up until like maybe six months ago, and he released the one point five update, and he said that this is the last update anybody's gonna get for a really long time. They're working on two other games, and. Sometime in, I think, January, he's talking about putting out a trailer for the next game. And he said, Stardew Valley, they may go back to it in another year or two and add some more content. But right now, he's happy with the way it is. And I'm like, there's never been any DLC. And all of the updates have always added a ton of crap. Like the last update they did, it went from like 1.4 to 1.5. And... It added a whole new island for you to explore and a whole bunch of new dungeons and a whole bunch of other extra stuff that, like, it adds hundreds of hours to the game. And you're like, holy crap, when did the guy have the time to create this? And yes, it's on every device. He sells tons. He's made they've, they've, they've made, their, made their money in sales, but he's not charging for any of this. If you already owned the game, like I own it on three things, it, it, this stuff just rolls out as an update. And I'm like, Big companies don't do that. Just little indie guys like him do. I could say the same thing about Minecraft. Like all the updates for Minecraft yep. are free. That, I mean, Minecraft has the marketplace, right? Like the, the bedrock version of Minecraft and the console version is where people can make maps and you can pay to download those and pay to download skins. But the actual, if you want to play the latest version of Minecraft, it's always free to download once you own a copy of the game. Um, yeah. And um, even, even Minecraft Dungeons, um, it's not free DLC, but it's five dollar dlc i think us it might be seven dollars canadian but like it's it's not a lot considering the no uh replayability the amount of you know content that you get and even then they now have a bundle with the base game with all of the dlc is still only 30 or 40 dollars like it, it's it's a lot of content for what should be a 60 dollar like you know full-on release from a studio like mojang um, but you know, there, so there are kind of like those, those gems to be found where the, the content is quality and, and stuff like that. But I've, I've, um, I mean, I tend not to buy this kind of stuff unless it's on sale by a good chunk, yep. uh, yeah. because I, I played, uh, before we leave, which is cool. It's different. It's a neat little city builder, but like ultimately I just felt like it was a lot of make busy work. It didn't have enough of a payoff for me. Yeah. And that's the thing. Satisfactory is a lot of busy work. Like there's a lot of like belting machines and a lot of efficiency and math and stuff like that. But it's balanced by the creativity, like the building blocks and the pieces and how do you want to create, make this look cool and or how do you want to make it different? There's not just one way to make a factory you can do it a number of different ways and have it be just as effective and so that to me is kind of like the trade-off whereas it didn't feel like that with before we leave and i probably paid close to 20 or 25 dollars for that i was just like wow ah, I, I i it's it's too big of a risk i'll spend 10 bucks 
for something I know is going to be risky. Um, but this um, book of travels is thirty bucks is too much, or, yeah. or, or twenty five to thirty bucks is too much for me to take a risk. Yeah, it's it's thirty dollars right now, and that's ten percent off. So it's thirty three ninety nine Canadian regular price, and it's like, ah, I don't know. Nice thing about it is that it's it's Windows, Apple's, and, and Linux, I think. So like, there's yep. there's access there, which is cool. And I and I think and I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think a lot more uh, developers are going to do Linux and apple on a regular basis yeah. and it's not going to just be pc especially with some new hardware that's coming out that's going to support more linux stuff i think that's going to help i'm hoping that the art style gets a little bit of a shift like i i kind of don't want to always be faced with like you know why am i running latest hardware to run stuff that looks like a mobile game you know like i just it's i know there's an artistic statement in stuff like this and i'm not criticizing um book of travel specifically but like there are other games uh i can't remember the name of it right now sable is that what it's called um that has like a very flat like cg but tune shaded sort of vibe also boring like did not really find it all that appealing uh and just it it just loses its charm quickly um yep. when there's not that much going on and not that not that much changing and i'm not sure what what has prompted this kind of trend in indie games, but it's, um, it's a little frustrating that everything just sort of looks the same. Yeah. I, I, I've ten I've become a little pickier now about what I play mm. just specifically because something looks pretty doesn't mean it's going to be what I expect it to be or something that looks really ugly. If it has really good reviews, I might give it a shot if it's on sale, even if I think it looks ugly, just because maybe there's something about it I don't understand. Mm. And that that that's rewarded me a couple of times. Moving on into what we have been watching, uh, I'm going to touch lightly on this because Brockett is going to be popping on next week to talk about this at length. He's finished it, and I will hopefully finish it by then, or at least be farther in. Uh, I'm watching Midnight Mass on... Netflix. Uh, and while it is uh, heavily heavily based around a small church in a small community, it's not like a religious documentary or anything like that. It's a horror no. supernatural mini series. Uh, so think like, um, and including a couple of actors that have been carried over from things like um, Haunting of Bly Manor, which I didn't like, but it's got that kind of a vibe to it's it. It's the same guy. The, yeah. It's the same, same creator. Same creator. Uh, so far, the acting is really good. Uh, it's a slow burn. And so kind of like a horror drama, a lot of pain and angst and kind of like loud, repetitive psychological jump scares, which I don't appreciate. Like I I can see them coming now and I'll turn the TV down just because it's annoying. It's not it's not scaring me. It's just um, that's pissing me off. Like it's just, it's like nails in a chalkboard. It's like, OK, look, you're not you're not getting anybody with this. Stop it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I paused the first episode a number of times and just never returned to it. Uh, it took me three times to sit down and finish it. Uh, bit of a cliffhanger at the end of it without spoiling anything. Uh, so that prompted me to to want to sit down and watch the second episode. Because like, okay, that was weird. I'd like to know what's going on. And in the finishing of the second episode, again, more was revealed. The thing that you thought you saw was definitely not what you thought you saw and now you're like okay now i need to know what this is <laughs> so i i mean i'm yeah. on board uh hard to watch at night it's definitely creepy uh but it also has 
the some characters in it that just grate on you. I can't remember their names yep. right now, but there's one lady. She's like the she's not a priest, but she might as well be. She's like that that woman that's like so involved like, with the church. Involved that, in the church, yeah. Judges everybody, and she's just and she speaks so nicely all the time, but it's always condescending, and it's always about getting what she wants, and it's always about it's 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 her wants and needs in the and guise, not anybody else's. but in in the disguise of what's best for the community. Right. Yeah. But what's best for the community is a rec center. But what's best for her is to have, she was the one that had the idea and organized the rec center. So the community has her to thank for it. Like that's, that's the motivation. Yep. And it's the kind of person you want to pitch from a moving train. Like it just, so she's hard to watch in that she is a good actor. <laughs> right. And she's really um, grating on you. And there's a number of other things that are kind of a dead giveaway. giveaway. There are several actors that I know and recognize that are younger than they're portraying. Uh, and I also have noticed that some actors uh, definitely have prosthetic makeup on. And so yeah. it leads me to believe that there's going to be some sort of thing happening where actors or, or characters appear younger. Uh, there's some weird stuff happening uh, in that regard. Um, the, 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 the crux of it is that a, a, um, the i can't remember his name it's not a priest and not a minister it's something else but the essentially the the minister of this church the priest of this church goes away uh, a replacement arrives but um he arrives in a very odd way there's a trunk full of dirt uh that someone arrived in uh and he um uh monsignor is the name uh, is the is the yeah. level monsignor pruitt is the guy that was running the church he's now on the mainland is the story and this new guy comes in and so he's happy but he's weird uh and he's trying to do do, do good for the community but something just doesn't sit right about how he arrived and then there are a few other kind of like supernatural things um i'll i'll give a warning here so this is a bit of a spoiler but also i wanted to let people know in case you're a little bit squeamish um especially if you're an animal lover uh like dogs and cats and stuff there's a lot of fake movie violence yeah. against the like some of the animals in this and it is disturbing like really yeah. disturbing um the end of the first episode there's like cats that have been littered across the beach and they're all dead because the island has got a problem with stray cats anyway yeah. something or someone has been killing the cats it leaves them out kind of like all in a straight line along the beach after storm it's yeah. it's hard to watch anybody that's a cat lover it's not going to be easy for you there's other scenes with dogs later on too so just be aware of that going in um but uh i want to give a, a a shout out that um zach guilford uh plays riley flynn from friday he's from friday night lights if you don't recognize zach's name uh really good actor and really good in this and uh raul coley uh is uh, sharif hassan uh, and the, uh, he's from the haunting of Bly Manor and I didn't like that show, but he was very good in it and he's very good in this too. He's got great presence. He he's a good actor. He's, he's the sheriff and the joke in the kind of like, well, racist town is that the Sharif is the sheriff. And so they just, yeah. they kind of bounce back and forth with his first name. Um, it's almost like a way of like technically you're calling him by his first name which is not incorrect but you're also mispronouncing sheriff which is 
diminishing his authority in the community as well. Like they just, you know, it should be like sheriff, you know, like it should be more of like a salute and it's like a sheriff. And they're like, he's just like, just call me sheriff. <laughs> you know, just because yeah. some people can't pronounce his name. It's just, it just, it's yeah. Um, but he's also not dumb. Like he's savvy to know what's going on. He wants what's best of the community. He's not going to just blue letter law, lock up the people that are doing illegal stuff. He's saying like, you know, like, if you've screwed up or if this is just going to be more trouble than it's worth, I'm not going to do it because it's just not going to be the, the resources are not going to be well spent. Anyway, um, Brock and I will get into it more. I'm sure that there's gonna be a lot more to it because I've only watched two episodes. Um, because it is a mini series, that means it's probably not going to be something that's ongoing. It's more than likely going to be wrapped nope. up in a season. I, it, it is definitely wrapped up. Uh, I have not seen any of it. It's on my list of things to watch. Mm. Um, it's just, it's very much too serious for the mood that Erica and I have been in lately. Yeah. So it is definitely on a, it, we've been on a comedy kick. Uh, there's only too many sleepless nights with an 18 month old child that you can take and you really don't want anything heavy before you go to bed anymore. Yeah. Um, and so this has been on our list and we're hope we were hoping to get to it closer to Halloween, but that's not gonna, doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, it, I definitely know that this wraps up in one season and there definitely is no plans to do any additional content. Yeah, anytime something is billed as a miniseries on IMDb or on Netflix, then I generally get the feeling that it's it's just meant to be a closed a closed loop. And um, yeah, and it reminds me though of the stuff that I miss. I really miss things like Hinterland and um, Shetland and the four to five episode, like four hours of murder mystery. Um, yeah, not necessarily funny stuff, but like good drama, like law and order type stuff. So it's, it's not like dark, dark, but it's got some sort of like who done it sort of thing going on. And, um, the, the thing that gets me past the darkness of this is I am a sucker for religious commentary. And that seems to be, and what turned me on to this is I, I heard someone saying how interesting it was that this show represents both sides of different religions in the show. And so yeah. I thought, okay, well, if they're doing that right, then that means they probably got some decent writing behind it. And they do. Um, but then the supernatural thing, if this was just a drama about a small town and its problems, I would be out. Like I would not be interested at yeah. all. Uh, but there is something like with a stranger things vibe going on and they, and it's no longer just like a, maybe it's definite. It's a definite by the end of episode two. So I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah. now I need to know what's happening. Like now I need to find out what's going on. So that's getting me past the dark sadness of it all. Um, but yeah. I, I hear you though. I, like, I, I know what you mean. Um, so yeah, won't dwell on it too much, but that's what I'm watching. So if people at home are interested, if you like horror, it's probably going to be good. I don't even like horror and I'm enjoying it so far. So Brock and I are going to be talking about it. I'm going to try to finish it by next week. So we'll have probably a spoiler episode on it. Um, but to move on to something else that um, not necessarily lighter, but certainly more entertaining, uh, both Lou and I watched uh, Black Widow on Disney Plus over the last little while. And, uh, and yeah. thought we could talk about that. Um, what were your first impressions? My first impressions was that I didn't even realize it was out. And then some uh, an article popped up in my newsfeed that said, hey, if you haven't watched Black Widow yet, it's free on Disney Plus. And I was like, oh, really? Sweet. That's what I'm going to watch this afternoon while I eat lunch. And that's what I did while I watched it while I was eating lunch. Um, I enjoyed it. It's good. 
it's far from the best thing that Marvel's put out. For everything I like about it, it does something that kind of takes me out of it or, or or makes me question it or makes me go, oh, okay. I'm also not a huge fan of the concept of, I don't like prequels. I like to know my hero is in danger or if I know that my hero isn't in danger, I like to at least know that if somebody else around them or that is involved in the story, like they could be in danger. And from from scene one, I knew that nobody would nobody of any importance would die in this. Um, I knew the villain wasn't going to put it wasn't going to be in any way, shape or form of uh, if this if anything from this. Any villain from this that gets carried on to additional movies or content is going to be minor. Uh, I knew that the major villain is not going to make a show up again later on. Um, like, there was just... There wasn't any risk in this movie. It was very paint-by-numbers. Yeah, I would say that that's an accurate assessment. Uh, I found out about it because I've been watching other things on Disney Plus and it was a great big banner across the top. And I was like, oh, cool. That's out of the paywall now. So I'll, I'll add that to my, you know, to my list. And uh, I wanted kind of like a easy on the brain kind of like Saturday night film. And so I remembered, um, and this is something I do have a problem with is like, I'll be, I'll into a series or into something and sit down to watch TV and like, all right, I've got to, before dinner's ready, I got to sit down for five minutes and try to figure out what the crap I'm going to watch completely forgetting. Like I'm in the middle of midnight mass. I was in the middle yeah. of bad batch. Like I just, I have things on the list, but they either don't fit my mood or I forget. And yep. I don't know why. Maybe it's because each thing I'm watching tends to be on a different platform now. But um, but yeah, anyway, this popped up. I thought, okay, well, mental note, I'll watch that. And the the cool thing about the the experience is that it got the full Marvel kind of like they do the big Marvel title screen. So it has Marvel now has the same vibe to me when I hit play that the 20th century Fox fanfare had when I watched Star Wars as a kid. Right. Yeah. Like you've got the fanfare, the long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then the star Wars theme. And like, it will just send goosebumps down my spine every time. And it does the same thing now with Marvel. doesn't matter what's happening. If I'm watching Ant-Man, which I didn't even really enjoy that much. Not since I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, again, it's not my favorite. And, but even then sitting down at the beginning of it, like you just, you you want to know, you just feel like you're going to be in for a ride. And I really enjoyed um, the setup. I, I was surprised at how quickly the movie got going. Yeah. And uh, for the pros, I would say that the action is really good. With the exception of a couple of like over-the-top scenes. And I might as well put the big spoiler tag right now. Lou and I are just going to talk about stuff that we've seen. It would spoil not necessarily plot lines because I don't think the movie's really that inventive, but like, yeah, there was nothing in this movie where I was like, I I was like, oh, that's a neat idea. I saw where this movie was going from beat one. Yeah. And when it ended, it was like, I knew exactly where everything was going. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, I mean, they were kind of in a sandwich. They can't really go <laughs> too far outside the box, but um, I don't want to ruin any kind of like cool moments for people so if you're worried about that kind of stuff go watch it it is it is worth watching i'm going to say that right now oh yeah um but the some of the overtop rescue scenes like rescuing um alexi from the russian prison in the middle of nowhere on a helicopter some of that stuff was like wow green screen bad 
and it also went on a little too long. It did. Like they, they could have totally have made that a little more funny, and they could have also of of made it less green screeny. They could have done something to make it a little more. Uh, it, it felt more like they were try they didn't know what the, the movie has a fine line where it doesn't know whether it wants to be funny or serious and it doesn't do either of them successfully well i would say that's a decent criticism and also um the the length of that rescue scene like it didn't, yeah. there's supposed to be these two super spies uh um and natasha and uh what's her yelena i think is, is yeah. her sister's name and um they're great together but like they just all of a sudden during that during that helicopter rescue it's like neither one of them really know what they're doing um, yeah, but at the same time, you got to remember that there's other moments in Avengers films. Like, you know, there's a, there's a moment in the New York fight in the first Avengers film where, um, Black Widow is going to jump on one of the, um, sky sleds that the, um, Shatari are, are driving around. And, uh, she's like, you want to give me a lift to Captain America? And he's like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. It's gonna be fun, and there's a level of uncertainty about that. That that I I know they tried to get into this. Like, sure, yeah. we'll just we'll get a, a a helicopter or something, and we'll go in and rescue Alexi. That yeah, that'll work. So I know that that's that's what they were trying to do, but ultimately, instead of tongue in cheek, uh, Marvel, we're just that good. It turned into like we really don't know what we're doing. We're kind of getting through this out of pure luck. Um, yeah. So that I didn't, I didn't find great. Um, also the Russians couldn't hit the broad side of a helicopter if they tried, like it was yeah. kind of pathetic how long that helicopter was hovering in the air being shot at by, I think a 50 cal and was <laughs> at least a 30 cal. Like it just, nothing was happening. Uh, so that yeah. there's a couple of unrealistic stuff like that. And I understand I'm saying unrealistic about a Marvel movie, but there has to be some sort of, peril because as you mentioned um black widow's not in the helicopter it's her sister so like you kind of the unknown characters that are being introduced you have to put them in some sort of real peril for this to be kind of pushed forward um but acting from scarlett johansson uh and especially the acting from florence i think it's pug is her name i hope i'm not mispronouncing it um she's fantastic like she makes the movie charismatic fun the writing for her the relationship between um between natasha and uh, yelena is just spot on they are badass assassins that are sisters by circumstance uh because they're both part of the black widow program where they were and, and they were both given an assignment at a really young age together where they had to pretend to be sisters. Yes. Well, and, and even then, like they didn't even realize that. Um, yeah. Like there's just, there's a lot of really cool, we have all these skills and we're emotionally and mentally broken in so many ways. But if we just kind of keep on doing what we're good at, we can kind of muscle through together. And their relationship is as cool and as fun to watch as it is to watch the relationship develop between Natasha and Steve Rogers in the Marvel films. Yes. Uh, they really kind of made that subtle. Like you have to listen for the nuances. You have to watch what they're saying and how they're looking at one another. Um, there's a really fun scene. Talk about a comedy bit that they got right where, after being chemically brainwashed, Yelena uh, is able to, she goes out and buys a vest. And so rather than buying clothes, like typical clothes, she basically buys like some sort of over-the-counter 
uh, tactical vest because, of course, yeah. it's it, it's in her nature to just kind of get the thing that's the most useful. Um, and not like not the most normal. No, yeah. not she doesn't get like a pretty purple shirt. She gets like a tack vest. <laughs> but and, and she keeps bringing it up. Yeah, because it's got all these pockets. But it it's really adorable how excited she is. It's the same sort of thing when like um your girlfriend is or or partner is excited about the dress that she's wearing having pockets. We all know how excited women have get about dresses with pockets. Um, yeah, it's a meme online. I'm not I'm not you know making fun or anything. But it's it's it, she's that kind of excited. And it's um, it's this weird kind of mix between like total practicality and also cute, <laughs> uh, yeah. which I, I thought was really, um, really endearing to the character. Um, and again, like it, it gives her it's not vulnerable necessarily, but it gives her just a soft enough side for you to realize she's a person, not a robot. Right. Like she's not right. this she's not this military brainwashed killer. She's got something else going on there, too. Um, the movie overall has an enjoyable, very James Bond feel, uh, yes. uh, but in an inspired way, like, yes, I know that, you know, obviously Romanoff is a spy and, and so that it's always <clears throat> going to have that, but there's it definitely, it definitely feels like they were trying to borrow from the winter soldier vibe a little bit. Yep. Well, that's the, it, also like, the time frame, right? Is it just, it's just after it, the winter soldier? No, it's not after winter soldier. It's just after. Um, it's just after Civil War. Oh, okay. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. because the movie basically She's begins with her being chased by um, uh, uh, uh William Hurt is the actor. Yeah, yeah the general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Thunderbolt Ross. Right. Yeah, and uh, and they do an okay job with that. Like that, and that. So there was two parts to it. Like the James Bond stuff is like the flying fortress in the sky and the gold finger manipulator, yeah. bad guy. That's no physical threat, but he's this weird kind of like psychological or mental threat and evil is all get out. Um, yeah. so that had the James Bond thing to it with, as, as well as like the, the banter with uh, Natasha and her gear guy, Mason, he brings her like guns and outfits. And I don't know where the hell the outfit came from. I'm sure it's a comic nod that I'm just not aware of. Um, but it just, it kind of didn't make a lot of sense. Um, Black Widow was wearing white for most of the film. Uh, yeah. But they, um, the other thing that I thought was a nice tie-in was like the fight scenes and some of the conversations and misleads that they have in there are very Jason Bourne where like yeah. she's on the phone with Ross filming some cinematically. They make it look like that. They're coming into a train station. She's in the train station restroom and she's trying to get away from a bunch of, you know, U.S. federal people that are coming to get her. Turns out she's in a restroom on a boat probably a hundred miles away. <laughs> you know, she's yeah. completely, you know, owned them and made them think that she's in the building. And, <clears throat> and he's, she's yeah. having this tongue in cheek conversation with Ross. But it's funny because it's meant to be like this, like this situation of, uh, of, um, you know, we've almost got you, but it sounds like she's just talking to her dad that she doesn't get along with very well. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's yeah. a very casual conversation. Uh, and I think they do that very well. Uh, the cons for me, uh, well, let's start with you. Like what, what was, what would you say would be the biggest so, holdup of the film? My biggest gripe is, um, the villain, it isn't very threatening. You don't really understand what the threat is mm -hmm. he has all these black widows that are supposedly all over the world and in positions where he can make them do whatever he wants them to do 
So he's manipulating things. Great. How come more people don't know that he exists and that these black widows are everywhere? If he was that big of a threat, the, the, the CIA would be like looking for him. And it seems like everybody still thinks he's dead. So he's not really that much of a threat. And in the global scheme of things, we're going to have Thanos coming soon. We've fought big, huge, epic things that are happening. We've had Hydra. Why is this guy with widows? Yeah, he's scary. I don't understand the global threat. And I also found that that many widows um, kind of belittled the fact that I thought that the Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, was special, right? Yeah. She's like, she. you get the impression, like, why is there a spy just hanging out with the Avengers, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then you realize, oh, because she's good at what she does. And then you're like, oh, no, no, she's the best at what she does. And then you find out there's four dozen other women out there that are just as good, if not better at, at this than she is. And so it really, for me, it kind of took the specialness away from Natasha, which is too bad. Um, right, and I and I understand that the Black Widow program was a thing, and they hinted at it in Agent Carter, and they did these other things, and like like I was expecting there to be others, but then they go, yeah, there's hundreds, and you went, yeah, oh, that's oh, the thing. Okay. You expect there to be others in that there might be a a bad one that she's going to have to go up against, you know, in a, in you, in, you, in, a, you in may, a film. I'd even be willing to accept these two dozen of them, but she's yeah. the best of the two dozen. Okay, cool, whatever. Yeah. And it, but it was like, then they re they roll out the camera and they go, and then there's more, and then there's more, and I have them everywhere. And I went, okay, this is kind of goofy. Yeah, yeah. And same with the, float the floating fortress in the sky. There's a line, this is how, uh, what's his name? Uh, Drekhoff? What's his... Uh... Uh, Drakov. Uh, this is yeah. how Drakov has avoided radar for so many years. I'm just like, um, we have satellites in space in our world. Yeah. You, Lou and Joel's world 2021. Avengers Tony Stark world. <laughs> You're telling well, me that not, Tony Stark hasn't seen this thing? Like, come also, on. Also, you, you remember, you know, this is a world where they have helicarriers. You're telling me a helicarrier wasn't flying through, flying near Russia and didn't see this thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like that, there's a lot there that I'm just like, mm, nope. Uh, it didn't, something that size. I mean, cool. Had the James Bond, it, it like, it took the James Bond idea and, and then pushed it to Avengers level. I was expecting it to be underwater or something. I would be like, that would be a good place to hide it. Why are we in the sky? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because then we can't have ultra dramatic fall scene at the end of the film uh yeah it just it's uh yeah so that kind of stuff i mean it was it's an avengers film i get it you know like previously we we were in um you know because it's if it's civil war post-civil war like we've been in avengers 2 where ultron raised a freaking <clears throat> city <laughs> you know uh into the sky with with black like a jet blaster thing so like you know i i get it that it's possible that that kind of stuff could exist but yeah i don't i don't buy that it's gone undetected um but for me actually the weakest part um of the film was um the the forced kind of family dynamic yeah it doesn't so, work no they they try to hang all this emotional baggage childhood loss on this fake family that was living in Ohio in like 1997 or something. 
no, yeah, like 70, it's like 97. 97 or 93 or something. Eight, eight, yeah. yeah. Judging by the, when David Harbour has his uh, his um stuff on, it's gotta be like maybe early nineties. I can't really remember. Yeah, and I gotta say they did a really good job with his makeup. Like I, I would I would buy that he was like in his like late thirties or something. Yeah, no, they did a good job. And I like David Harbour. He's an excellent actor. I've seen him in some great stuff. I like him in Stranger Things a great deal. He's terrible in this. Uh, he, yeah. has to, he has to do a fake Russian accent, which just is, it's, he might as well be doing a cartoon, you know, uh, and the character, and it's not all at his feet. Alexei is horribly written. He's a car, he's a cartoon of a person. It's not realistic in the slightest. Uh, the, 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 one tracked mind of of reliving his glory days as the red something i don't even remember what he's called um but he's and, the red guardian red guardian who is a russian super soldier which is again unimagined i don't like, another super soldier don't care like it just it's not well and, and his character in the comics is kind of that way is he supposed to be unimagined it's supposed to be like a, and we can do it too kind of thing yeah and again his just his character in this is it's he's so one-dimensional that it uh, it takes you out of the story the only moment with him i enjoyed is they have a moment where yelena gets upset about something and she goes into the other room and he doesn't know what to do and he goes well i'm just gonna go talk to her and he goes in there and he botches the whole conversation and that's it and, and it's kind of like eh. and then he tells her this really funny story or what he perceives as a funny story that you as a listener are like, wow, you're an idiot. But it, it, it he's kind of endearing for like five minutes. And then all of a sudden he goes back to being one dimensional again. And you're like, oh, so that's about as, that's about as exciting as his character is going to get. Great. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, and I find too that um, even though I enjoy Rachel Wise and I, I, her acting is much better, uh, Melina, the character that she plays, which was the mother figure for Natasha and Yelena, uh, is just as flat. Uh, yeah. She's she, she's they're just the Russian they're Russian spies. She's a scientist. He was a um a, a super soldier dude. Neither one of them wanted to be on the assignment that they were in on in in Ohio uh, or wherever it was. And and as a result, but they <clears throat> they try to hang this like mother father figure on these two, and it doesn't work. Doesn't yeah, work. And, and you get the distinct impression they don't even really like each other either. No, exactly. You know, it, it 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 was very bizarre, and they give you this like five minute or ten minute prelude in the first few minutes of the film, and they try to give you all of this backstory in one little bite, and then hang the emotional weight of the reunion on it later on, and it just it does not fly at all. They should have just skipped it; it would have been fine. Um, I yeah. I honestly think like you can, with the exception of Molina being the, um linchpin of getting access to the flying fortress you could remove both of them from the film and it doesn't change anything yeah right like you, you can just... introduce them because they need information and then they could have left them where they found them yeah yeah they could have met him in the she could have snuck into the prison talked to him got the information she needed from him and they could have left him in the prison or broke him out of prison ditched him in the snow and been like see ya and it could have been boom it, it, he was out yeah, no, you I, know what I, I mean. I agree. And same with and same with uh, same with Molina. And I was like, okay, all right, whatever. And they of course live at the end of the movie, so you know that they're going to have tie-ins to in later films. Yeah, the, or shows. Uh, 
Yeah, I I didn't mind the Taskmaster stuff. I I thought the, the Taskmaster. Uh, stuff see was the ta weird. the Taskmaster bothered me because he's one of my favorites from cartoons and 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 uh, comics mm -hmm. because he has personality in comics. He has dialogue, like um he's a regular villain against Spider Man, and. When he fights Spider-Man, he's one of the reasons Spider-Man hates him is he can predict Spider-Man's moves. And so they always have this banter where he's like, stop doing that, uh, Spider-Man. You, 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 don't you realize how trivial this is? Just give it up. And like they have witty banter and, and, and they did a run in Spider-Man for a while where Spider-Man and Deadpool were teamed up and Deadpool is the only guy that can fight Taskmaster because Wade's so weird. He never uses the same fighting style ever. So Taskmaster always has to be on guard when he's fighting him because he, he can't predict Wade's moves. So he actually has to try. And they turn it into like a joke. And like there's all kinds of personality with this character. And this character was just like, it's the bad guy that's going to show up and fight like everybody else. And I was like, all right. Silently. Well, like, yeah. And it was like, nothing. Was, yeah. There's like, there's no dialogue. There's no. And I was like, this is the thing that always annoys me. When I don't mind them making changes when the changes make sense. This looked like they needed to fit another villain that they would re reoccur later. I'm sure that Taskmaster is going to show up in Hawkeye or he's going to show up in some other thing down the road. And this is just them lining it up. And they need. And I'm like, all right. Like, it didn't make me mad, but I was like, this is kind of a waste. Yeah. Did you watch the tag at the end of the credits? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so that, I mean, at least we know Yelena is probably going to be in the Hawkeye series. Uh, yeah, it's a, a done deal. It's a predict. Yeah. She's listed in all eight listed, episodes. Listed in all eight episodes. That's good because I really enjoy her. Um, I didn't need Madame Seinfeld to be the one giving her the assignment. Um, I, she she's a waste of space. Uh, she's going to be an upcoming villain in a bunch of stuff. I know, and I'm pissed about it. I, it's yeah. it's terrible casting, uh, and. And I think just poor, like horrible dialogue. She She's the reason why people have to convince friends that are not into these movies to, to have to come because your eyes roll so hard. You're like, oh, God, I'm never going to hear the end of this. You know, like it just, it's, it's the kind of thing that these movies can be so good. Like Civil War is an excellent film. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of other Marvel movies that are, that are good too, but like, it th those kind of characters and and that kind of dialogue is the reason why I you know go like well this is why this is a niche genre of film still because or in some cases because it just it's such a, a rough a rough forced character and dialogue um I uh I'm with you on the on the villain stuff I I I didn't mind the twist because I don't I'm not married to Taskmaster so like I, I don't know. I'm not a, I didn't know from the comics, but I thought it was a neat twist again, spoiler that, um, he ends up being a, she, uh, ends yeah. up, ends up being the daughter of, of Drakoff, um, that he had to like turn her into a robot basically, uh, with a chip yeah. in the back of her head. But then I thought that she was so damaged that that was the only way that she would survive. But it turns out that like, Black Widow just turns off the chip later because of the whole chemical yeah. um, thing. Uh, chemical, what do they call it? Chemical mind control. Um, yeah. So like, there's just, there's a lot, there's a big reach A lot there. of disbelief. Yeah. Even, even for a Marvel movie, there's a lot of stretching. 
Um, yeah. And I would say the other thing that is not the movie's fault, but is just too bad is that it didn't come out in the right timeline. Like no. it, sh- it should have come out. This would have had more emphasis if it had come out when it was supposed to come out. Yep. But now that we've seen so many things that happen beyond this, going all the way back to Civil War for this story, it was like, oh, yeah, okay. We're going back like a decade. Yeah. Cool. Pre-snap. Not very little interest, you know, to go back to pre-snap. You know, like the, the really interesting stuff that Marvel is doing is happening post-snap. Uh, yeah, and, you know. and, and, and where they're going now is going to be very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this goes. But um, I again, uh, for all the, the shortcomings, uh, happy to see that it wasn't terrible. You know, like yeah. I would. I w- like I said, not bad. Was it, it was it was it was good. It wasn't great. Um, and it made me excited for what's coming in four weeks. Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you. The Sizzle Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. We're joining at any level. We'll get you an invite to the member only Discord server that is shared between my personal Patreon Twitch account as well as the Citadel Cafe. So there's a hundred people in there, at least all talking about nerdy stuff. So it's a good place to hang out. Patron count is at 24. I just checked that this morning. That's steady on from last week. Our goal each month is to have at least one more patron than the month before. We're halfway through October. And if you'd like to be number 25, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. And this week's pick actually comes in from a listener. Mark Van Funk wrote in with only green, green fuel in the air. Hey, Joel and Lou. First, I'd like to thank you for recommending uh, new shows and games. I'm very much enjoying Only Murders in the Building. Thank you, Lou. I was skeptical due to the cast, but they really perform well. I must also point out Episode 7, The Boy from 6B, had a very innovative sound design. No more spoilers. Go watch it yourself. Here is something in green tech for your internet minute. An industrial-sized plant-producing carbon-neutral kerosene plant opened its doors in Germany. It basically turns food waste into airplane fuel using renewable electricity. It may add another use case conflict for green electricity, but it could also be a game changer as I believe a massive and voluntary reduction in air traffic is too idealistic. All the best from Germany, Mark Van Funk. There'll be a link to the uh, neutral kerosene plant info in our show notes as well. Uh, I can't pretend to understand what's going on (laughs) behind the science of it, but turning food waste into uh, jet fuel, I think is fantastic because I agree with Mark. I don't think there's going to be a voluntary reduction in air traffic. And if anything, unfortunately, Despite COVID restrictions, I think because people have been unable to travel for so long that we're going to see uh, a spike, we're going to see a spike. We're going to see an increase in air travel uh, as more of the world is vaccinated, as more restrictions are lifted as and in a good way, you want tourism in those countries as an industry to start to pick up and increase the livelihoods and increase the economy of those countries. Um, The unfortunate part of that is that most of the time to get to these places, people have to get on an airplane. Uh, And it's a huge problem as far as, you know, greenhouse gases and carbon emission and stuff like that. So I agree that it's not going to be voluntary reduction in air traffic uh, at all anytime soon. But the I didn't realize you could turn food waste into I knew you could do some things like around here. They'll get like fish 
oil as like a 10% or 15% mix in with like your oil for your furnace. And it, it, it's just as efficient and it just reduces if enough people reduce their oil consumption by that 10%, it makes a huge difference, right? Yeah. There's a, some European countries also have trash plants and you'd think, oh, burning trash is bad, but they do it in a way where it does release a carbon footprint, but it's like a it's like a tenth of what it would be normally. And on top of that, they've found that having huge landfills, um, when that stuff breaks down, it releases methane gas, which is actually even more dangerous mm -hmm. than burning carbon. It's actually worse. And so uh, some European countries, I know, I think it's Sweden, has a bunch of trash burning facilities to reduce their carbon footprint. Yeah, so this uses CO2 captured from the air from a biogas plant. And yep. the biogas plant uses food waste and the electricity from wind and solar installations produces green hydrogen. So like it's it's got this secular vibe to it, which again, the very I don't quite know understand. The the article that we'll link to in the show notes is a little vague in terms of the, the depth of the science behind it but i'm sure you know you could find out more and anyway, i just thought it was really cool i i like the idea of a lot of these um any kind of alternate fuel because we need a sidestep like the, yep. the politically what you hear a lot is like this not death to the oil industry because that's not going to happen anytime soon but like it just it's it's the it, it seems to always be an extreme view like we really have to dial it back by like a lot which is true but then the alternatives just aren't there quite yet um, to well, the, the alternatives aren't quite there yet. And there's also going to also be small reasons why we need things like, mm -hmm. you know, I have a snowblower that I use all winter to do my yard. I could get an electric snowblower or a, 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 a battery powered snowblower, but they're not going to work as good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and even then, it's oh, it's nice to have the backup. If I had an electric one, when it craps out, it would be nice to have the gas-powered one for when, hey, you know what? I can't use the electric-powered one because I don't have power because the power went out because of the snowstorm. Yeah, the, you know what I mean. Like, the, the, like it, the, gas makes sense for certain things. It's not like everybody's running their snowblowers twenty-four-seven on a single day, uh, all day. Mm. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to get rid of the, the need for some gas. No, I, yeah, and we don't, and we don't have Mister Fusion from Back to the Future too yet. So, yeah, <laughs> so exactly, we're, we're not quite there. Anyway, that that was my pick. So, thank you again, uh, Mark, for for writing in. Uh, Lou, what's yours? Okay, so I have a pick that I didn't pick. My child picked. <laughs> um, so we're always on the look for content for Violet to watch because you know there's only so much you can get on the floor and play with the kid. There's only so much you can do when the kid is not wanting to sit still or you need her to sit still or you've got to find something. So we, I mean, we try to not watch TV. I mean, I've sat through, I'm on my, I'm almost done with my second through of my little pony. There's only so much my little pony person can watch and nine seasons twice is too much. Um, but in an attempt to find something educational, uh, my wife stumbled upon this YouTube channel called songs for littles. Um, it started right around the time the pandemic began. Um, this woman is a, a, a 
I think she worked in daycare. She has a, I think she has a degree in ed, child ed, child education, and um, her husband is one of the assistant directors on Aladdin on Broadway or something. And with the pandemic, they were stuck in their house with nothing to do with everything. Everybody's furloughed, and so they decided to she sings songs and does these educational videos that are like an hour or two hours long and he plays the piano in the background or he does some puppeteering so that she has somebody to talk to and they've put together a bunch of these videos and, and violet cannot get enough to the point where in the on saturday mornings when we want to sleep in she doesn't we'll bring her to bed with us for an hour or two so we can just like lay there and Erica will load these videos up on her phone and Violet will lay there next to us and watch them for hours and we can doze off for an hour. Wow. And, 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 and it's gotten to the point now when she gets up in the morning, if she knows that it's like a Saturday, cause she's figured out days of the week almost, uh, she'll be like, the lady's name is Miss Rachel. She'll go, Miss Rachel, Miss Rachel. And we'll be like, no, no, we're not making you watch Miss Rachel again. No, we need a break. <laughs> but but Violet was having trouble. I don't want to say she was having trouble talking. She mumbled, but she was she was very shy. Like she would like she would talk to us. It would be like milk. Mama. Da da. And she wasn't picking up on a lot of other cues. And she started watching these videos. And the other night Erica had her in had her go into bed and she drank all of her milk before bed out of her sippy cup. And she, and Erica went, Sorry, honey. All gone. All gone. And she went Dada, milk. And she and Erica goes, she's figured out that when she runs out of milk, if I call for you, you bring more. <laughs> and she goes, so Erica hollered down to me, more milk. All right. So I got the milk and I brought it down the hall. And she looked at me and she was and she said something and it was a babble tone, but it was like, thank you. <laughs> and it was like, and I was like, she wasn't talking like this six weeks ago before we found these videos. <laughs> so now all of a sudden her words are coming fast. And so I, I wanted to recommend it. If you've got young kids, these are really, really good. That's cool. That's really cool. How, um, remind me, how old is um, Ryan's youngest? Uh, a couple of months older, a couple months older than mine. Okay. So it is really close. Like it's, it's not, yeah, they're yeah. like, they're like within three months of each other. Okay, cool. Right on. Um, I'm sure, well, I'm sure you've probably recommended it to him as well. Yes. Cause I don't, I don't know anybody that has really young kids anymore. Everybody's, the kids are all 10 <laughs> in most, in most of the, the families that I know. And, and like I said, this was all born from, <laughs> from the pandemic. So there's nothing here that doesn't go back more than like two years. All of it is good. I mean, they repeat a, a lot of the same content every couple episodes and it's going to happen. It's done on no budget. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Lou and I talked about at the CitadelCafe.com. Music for the show is composed by Kevin McLeod, and you can email us, just like Mark Van Funk, at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell friends about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can listen to the other podcasts I do about Minecraft at the spawnchunks.com. And you can find me this Saturday 
on twitch.tv slash pixel riffs, where Johnny and I, my co-host on that show, are going to be covering Minecraft Live, which happens at 12 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, October 16th. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media, where I will no doubt be tweeting about Minecraft Live. And of course, you can follow me at twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan for satisfactory streaming and Minecraft streaming and maybe some indie games. We don't know yet. Lou, where can people find you online? Easiest place to find me is on all the social media that matters under the name Busy Zombie Lord. I'm pretty much everywhere under the name Busy Zombie Lord. There really isn't anybody that uses that screen name because it's kind of dumb. You've been listening to the Sigil Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. 